0: Hey, Stewheads, the weather is getting colder, the nights are getting longer, and that means it's holiday time. Woohoo! I'm your host, Leah.
1: I'm Phil. And I'm Steve. Today we'll be talking about the bizarre and strange aspects of Christmas and Thanksgiving.
0: If you have an appetite for the strange and bizarre, then pull up a chair and grab a spoon for another intriguing serving of Remnant Stew. Remnant stew is gluten-free organic made from all natural free-range ingredients and guaranteed to provide the recommended daily serving of curiosity.
1: Well, the holidays are coming up. This is certainly a great time of year with Thanksgiving, Christmas, and the New Year all coming together. I love Thanksgiving. You got Thanksgiving traditions over at your house? We
2: get together and have a lot of fun almost the whole week. So it's, it's (laughs) it's it's a big group... Lots of fun. Thanksgiving
0: is my favorite because we have a quirky family and we all get together at my house. And we have actually gone swimming (laughs) Thanksgiving It's warm enough here sometimes. Uh, And sometimes we go kayaking and sometimes we just, you know, play around. But um, this year is a little bittersweet just because, uh, you know, our kids are not kids anymore. And yeah. they're growing up, and and when I say our, you know, mine and my sister's kids, and and so we're having to share them with other families. Uh-huh. <laughs> yeah, so I'm actually thinking about moving our Thanksgiving celebration, or having a second Thanksgiving celebration on Memorial Day, so it doesn't
2: oh, okay. w- compete
0: with anybody else's, and I can have my family you right have to them myself. All
2: <laughs> Thankful then we uh-huh. do a ro- we do a rotating. Uh, we rotate between for that kind of that reason is,
0: yeah. We'll
2: have everyone for our side of the family for Thanksgiving, and then the next year we'll do the same, but it'll be for Christmas.
1: Right. So we just rotate it. Back I know and a lot forth. of families do that. You go yeah. back and forth. Yeah, from one to just the makes other.
2: it a little and easier and, and for travel and all.
0: I don't want to do that. <laughs> I mean, I'm really easy to please. I am because I understand the the you know I don't want to make anybody uncomfortable or, or make it more difficult for anybody. But we're, we're I want everybody at my house.
1: <laughs> our adult children uh, now have homes of their own, so we can go to their house for Thanksgiving and have all the cleanup. <laughs> well, there's always something to be thankful for, even in difficult times. And I, I yes. and we've talked about it before, but being thankful is a uh, really important. Mm-hmm. Uh, part of life, uh, and then of course the day after Thanksgiving, Black Friday. Uh, but then you also begin to hear all those wonderful Christmas songs on the radio. Then yes, yeah, we all have our favorites. Uh, what, what's your favorite Christmas songs?
0: Um, I really like all. Uh, Oh come, all you faithful! And
1: come, all you faithful! I like yeah. the older
0: songs, and I like Green's not Green Sleeves. What is the Christmas? I guess Green'sleeves. Yeah, what, yeah child what child is this? this? Yeah. I love that that yeah. medieval uh, melody.
1: Yeah,
2: uh, I'm with her. That, yeah, that, like but that. again, I have a playlist on Spotify that is just all Christmas all songs. Christmas. That yeah, it's pretty much anything that has Christmas named in it will end up or holiday it gets played.
1: I like those old ones too. "Joy to the World" and "What mm-hmm. Child Is This." Uh-huh. Oh yeah. But then I also like that one where those dogs are barking out "Jingle Bells." You know, <laughs> ruff, 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 ruff. I think that was pretty good. Um, these and other songs have stood the test of time and are heartily received each holiday season. While most travel well from year to year, some have come under increased scrutiny as times and tastes change. And in fact, in a previous episode, uh, we've talked about the recent controversy over the song. Baby, it's cold outside. Yep. Mm-hmm. You know, the one where the girl is telling the guy that he really should go, okay. and he keeps saying, but baby, it's cold outside. I really can't stay. You know,
0: I I like that song. I've always loved that song. Yeah, I and did. I don't, I mean, I know, I've told my daughter, if somebody doesn't take no for an answer, it's a huge red flag. Right. But also, I mean, you've been in love where you, yeah, you know. Kind of innocent. You, I
1: don't want to go. You yeah. don't want
0: to leave, but you got to leave, that kind of thing. And I think that's the the
1: right. intention exactly. behind that song. Yeah, right. Well, anyway, while some songs are seasonal favorites, others are not, there is a third category. What about some Christmas songs that are just plain weird? (laughs) We know that's what our listeners like, and that's what we're starting out with today. Weird holiday songs. I'm writing the
2: list down because I'm going to go add these to my yeah, Spotify. Put these right. You, know, you want to
1: run these on your. <laughs> right. on your
0: we ought to have on a remnant Stu Spotify. Spotify, Spotify list. Yes. Spotify
1: list, exactly. <laughs> From usatoday.com, we find an article called The 10 Weirdest Christmas Songs of All Time, written by a humorous author named Mary Clark. We won't touch on all 10, but we will present a few that we found particularly weird and interesting. <laughs> awesome. Now, to set this first one up, though, we're going to talk about a song that's not a Christmas song. Back in 1966, oh, I feel like Casey Kasem. Back in 1966, a group from Florida called the Royal Guardsmen had a hit song called Snoopy Versus the Red Baron. It oh, depicts, yeah. It depicted a fictional World War I battle between the popular Peanuts character Snoopy and the flying German ace Baron von Richthofen. And
2: it was flying his doghouse. Yeah, flying that's, his doghouse. Yeah. It's better one. known as
1: the Red Baron. The song was so popular that it peaked at number two in the United States Billboard charts in December of 1966, and it, ma- it sold more than uh, three million copies. And in Australia, the song made it all the way to number one. However, they had to bleep out the word bloody there, as he refers to the bloody Red Baron, as that's considered somewhat of a moderate profanity to Australians, according to Wikipedia anyway. Maybe that was part of partly well, why it was so popular too.
0: Well and and I think in, in Britain too. It's a it's yeah, it's, yeah, sort of it's word. profane. Right.
1: The song was inspired, of course, by the Peanuts cartoon strip uh, from Charles Schultz, which had a somewhat regular running gag about Snoopy imagining himself flying on his doghouse to challenge the famous German aviator. Charles Schultz and United Features Syndicate, which published the comic strip, sued the Royal Guardsmen for using Snoopy's name without permission. As a result of the suit, all publishing revenues from the song had to go to Charles Schultz and United Features. But, in a concession to the Royal Guardsman, Schultz granted them permission to record other songs about Snoopy. <laughs> Thus encouraged... The following year, in 1967, the Royal Guardsman came out with Snoopy's Christmas. The song contains some of the same basic chords and structure, musical structure, as Snoopy versus the Red Baron, but it depicts the famous World War I Christmas truce. The Red Baron is about to shoot Snoopy out of the sky when he hears the chorus of church bells in the village below. Rather than shoot Snoopy down, well, let me uh, read a couple of verses here to you from the song. <laughs> I'll try to do it with the same pacing. The Baron made Snoopy fly to the Rhine and forced him to land behind the enemy lines. Snoopy was certain that this was the end when the Baron cried out, Merry Christmas, mine friend. (laughs) (laughs) The Baron then offered a holiday toast and Snoopy, our hero, saluted his host. And then with a roar, they were both on their way, each knowing that they'd meet on some other day.
0: Oh my God. That's like... That's like World War I and Hallmark. Yeah,
1: there yes. you go. <laughs> now, Snoop- oh, no, not those songs. Snoopy's Christmas didn't crack the top 40 in the United States, but it made it all the way to number one in Australia and New Zealand, and it still remains a popular Christmas song there today. Oh, wow. The Royal Guardsmen recorded other Snoopy songs, including The Return of the Red Baron in 1967 and Snoopy for President in 1968.
0: Oh, okay. That reminds me. Um, When I was a kid, I had a record, and it was the 1967 musical, You're a Good Man, Charlie Brown. Uh-huh. And there was an act. Okay, I have searched all day for this. There was an act in there where Snoopy's on his doghouse, and he's got this. It, it's a very theatrical version of him fighting the Red Baron. And right. it used to scare me as a kid. It's so... He's so into it and everything, and I looked. Yeah, he's all intense
1: over. when he's on that doghouse. I
0: can find recordings of all of the in, all of the songs in the play,
1: right? And that? And,
0: ex, and excerpts of the actual play, but I cannot find that one. And it wasn't a song; it was just a you know, he's just talking about fighting. <laughs> it's a dog fight. and uh-huh. and oh, uh, I get it. uh-huh. <laughs> ha, yeah, it's a dog <laughs> That's fight. Where it came from? <laughs> and uh, I cannot find that recording anywhere, but it was really interesting.
1: It's interesting how it's so popular in Australia and New Zealand, but keep in mind, it's the middle of summer Christmas there, so the songs about snow falling don't really apply there uh, to them. Now, back in 1960, an Italian-American singer named Lou Monte produced the novelty song Dominic the Italian Christmas Donkey. (laughs)
2: Okay, I, I haven't heard this one.
1: This, this <laughs> song didn't make the charts back in 60, but has oozed into social consciousness <laughs> over the past six decades. Oozed. One of them, <laughs> <laughs> I was going there, too. <laughs> become one of the more popular novelty Christmas songs today. You're familiar with the song Dominic the no, Donkey? I,
0: no, not
1: oh, at all. Gosh, we got to pick that up and listen to it.
2: I'm, I'm going to find it on Spotify.
1: Right. <laughs> okay. According to the song, Santa's reindeer can't navigate the steep mountainous terrain of Italy. So he must rely on his trusty donkey friend, Dominic, to bring gifts to the Paisanos. The song begins inauspiciously enough (laughs) with the sound of sleigh bells ringing. This pleasantness is then accompanied by the timid hee-haw, (laughs) hee-haw of Dominic. That's awesome. (laughs) Then, Then Monty shares some details about Dominic. He's a nice little donkey who hardly ever kicks, but instead loves to dance. When he shakes his tail, as in dancing, the old people in the village begin cutting a rug themselves. And oh yes, while he is delivering presents, Dominic is wearing the mayor's hat on his head.
0: (laughs) Oh, this song just, it just keeps getting better.
1: And what about those presents? Well, thanks to Dominic's help, every boy and girl in Italy's mountains, every Louis and Josephine gets new clothes from Brooklyn, which Monty somehow manages to rhyme with Josephine, as in Brooklyn. Every Louis and Josephine gets a brand new set of clothes made from Brooklyn.
2: <laughs> it's on an album oh. called "Fairy Tale of New York.
1: <laughs> right. And speaking of, Louis, Louis Monti was born in New York City and served in the United States Army during World War II. Just before the war, he had developed a lounge act where he would mim- uh, mix humor <laughs> with Italian songs. He picked up the career uh, after the war. And uh, by the late 1940s was known in New York and New Jersey as, quote, the godfather of Italian humor. And this kind is of a, a joke
2: you can't refuse. Uh, oh a, well, kind of oh. along
1: those lines. Uh, according to Mental Floss, it was rumored that he had ties to the Gambino crime family, and that they, they even financed his recording. Okay,
0: true. okay. And now I we're listen, going to
1: the mattresses.
0: Listen, later on in this episode, I have uh, <laughs> weird facts about about uh, Christmas songs, and this was one of them. Yeah, that okay. the mall, that this song was yeah. t- had ties to the mob. Right,
1: exactly. <laughs> Though Dominic the Donkey didn't receive immediate acclaim, Monty did have success in 1963 with a song called Pepino the Italian Mouse. <laughs> Evide- evidently, this clever mouse was always eating loose cheese, drinking his wine, and scaring his girlfriend. Pepino climbed all the way to number five in the Billboard's top 40 chart. I vaguely remember hearing this song. Never. Uh, and in I, I think life. I remember seeing it performed on the Ed Sullivan show, it seemed like. Lou Monty's songs were especially popular with Italian-Americans as his lyrics often included inside jokes that they could relate to. This was important to them as Italian-Americans were considered as outsiders to many people during the post-war years. Monty sold millions of records and played in nightclubs across the country and appeared on television variety shows such as Perry Como and Ernie Kovacs. In 2018, Dominic hit number one hit the number one comedy digital track sales tally. And by 2019, had been downloaded more than 21 million times on Spotify. So, oh, wow. wow. Dominic had a slow start, but, <laughs> but is, uh, he picked up speed. Yeah.
0: I have never heard this song.
2: That's awesome.
1: Okay. I imagine everyone is familiar with the song, Grandma Got Run Over by a Reindeer. Right. This song was originally released in 1979 by a husband and wife team, Elmo Shropshire and Patsy Trigg. I re- those, are, those are their real yeah, names. Right? I
2: remember calling into the radio station, asking them <laughs> to play this song. Oh, a man. lot.
1: <laughs> right. The song was a hit at first on country music stations, and uh, then by 1982 had broadened into Top 40 radio. Oh, yeah, it did. You're familiar with the lyrics. Poor grandma drinks too much eggnog and goes off her medication, and then tries to walk home in a blizzard. <laughs> the next uh, morning, she's found in the snow with, quote, claws marks on her back yeah While the rest of the family ponders whether or not to they should return her gifts, Grandpa consoles himself watching football, drinking beer, and playing cards with cousin Mel Shropshire and Trigg re released the song a couple of times during the eighties, and then sadly, they divorced. Well, you might not know
0: i wonder when I wonder if if like the royalties was was a yeah. thing in court you know, between the and the divorce well oh, yeah, no. yeah
1: there probably were. Um, what you might not know is that in 1992, Elmo released an album called, quote, Dr. Elmo's Twisted Christmas.
0: No, why That's no. where I
1: got the word twisted from the other episode we recorded. <laughs> twisted Christmas, which includes the song, but also a sequel. Wait, wait okay.
0: I'm sorry. Are we talking about Elmo? <laughs> Elmo?
1: No, no. Like off the, no. of Sesame Street? No, no, no. Dr. Elmo's. that was the guy's name. Elmo uh, okay. Elmo Shropshire. Okay. That was the husband's name. <laughs>
2: <laughs> and suddenly, you're trying to think of of him singing, Elmo oh singing the chorus, almost the Muppets singing Elmo. this song.
1: <laughs> Wrong Elmo. you're
0: right, dude. Oh my god.
1: Different Elmo. Anyway, well, Doctor Elmo's twist of Christmas included the original uh, Grandma's song. But also a sequel. Did you know there was a sequel? No. It's called... We're still dying over here. (laughs) The sequel's called Grandma's Gonna Sue... No, wait. Grandpa's Gonna Sue the Pants Off Santa. That's it. (laughs) In this version, Grandpa's watching TV when he sees an infomercial by a slick legal firm (laughs) claiming that they would, quote win a multi-million dollar settlement and make his loss much easier to bear. Oh, my
0: goodness. Yep. That sounds very American.
1: <laughs> the chorus goes as follows. <clears throat> grandpa's going to sue the pants off Santa. That's what Grandpa's going to do. Grandpa's going to sue the pants off Santa because Grandma would have wanted him too." <laughs> <laughs> oh. The song rallies on to describe a court trial in which Rudolph is required to testify with the clever words, quote, Yesterday, the judge arraigned the reindeer. I like that little bit there. The trial didn't go well for Santa, who in the end had to declare bankruptcy. Grandpa got a new TV, and the lawyers collected lots of jingle. It's really hard to see why this sto- this song didn't uh, become an even greater hit than the original. But surprisingly, it never broke into the top 100 or even the top 1,000. <laughs> <laughs> now, there are a few more songs uh, in Ms. Clark's article that are worth a brief mention. The hauntingly beautiful R2-D2, We Wish You a Merry Christmas, mm-hmm. <laughs> yep. in which a children's uh, choir sings to the to the Star Wars robot, is actually kind of cute.
0: I, I actually remember that being played on the radio. Uh-huh.
1: Then there's the 12 Days of Christmas, D-A-Z-E the 12 Days of Christmas, in which a woman named Faye McKay's True Love brings her a different form of alcohol each day, (laughs) and she becomes progressively (laughs) sloshed. Then the material girl, Madonna's song, Christmas Tree, in which Christmas Tree winds up being about two dozen different euphemisms for, uh, well, never mind what it's for. Yeah, we'll just
2: keep on moving along. okay. And
1: finally, that girl who just wants to have fun, Cyndi Lauper, for some reason came out with a song called Christmas Conga, the song has basically one line: "Bonga Bonga Bonga, do the Christmas Conga." <laughs>
0: <laughs> I've never heard of that one, and I'm kind of thankful for that.
1: Uh, so put those on your on your uh, list. There you go.
0: Oh, I was I just want to uh, take a minute and go back and revisit the Star Wars Christmas special you mentioned. <laughs> Listen, the pro- production was um, special. I've never
1: seen this. I was in college. I've never yeah. seen it,
0: but uh, <laughs> but I've heard about it. It was special and not in a good way. It was <laughs> produced and aired in 1978, so just one year right. after that first movie hit on theaters. The movie, yeah. Right. Oh, yeah. Yeah, and everything with Star Wars at that time. Yeah. The storyline centered around Chewbacca as he and Han Solo visits Chewie's home planet to spend holiday time with the Wookiee family.
2: Nice. The
0: plot is strung together by various music musical numbers, celebrity appearances, and comedy routines. <laughs> and if it sounds cheesy, that's because it definitely was cheesy. Extremely cheesy. cheesy. Oh, yes. According, Kraft was probably
1: the sponsor. So.
0: <laughs> <laughs> <Right>. <laughs> Cheese whiz. Um, according to Star Wars Fandom.com, otherwise known as, I love this, otherwise known as Wikipedia. Wikipedia.
2: <laughs>
0: David Hofstede, author of What Were They Thinking? The 100 Dumbest Events in Television History. <laughs> no,
1: that, I, I've got to go read that. We need, a, we need an episode just on that.
0: <laughs> he ranked the holiday special at number one, no.
1: <laughs> <laughs>
0: calling it, quote, the worst two hours of television ever. (laughs) Shepard Smith of the Fox News Channel referred to it as, quote, a 70s train wreck. Combining the worst of Star Wars with the utter worst of variety television. <laughs> we
2: couldn't come up with anything uh, else. Uh-huh.
0: George Lucas's involvement with the production was limited, and he hated it so much that the show was never aired again nor released on home video. Lucas supposedly said that he would be happy if every single copy of the show was tracked down and burned.
1: <laughs> Somebody's got to have this somewhere. You know but, how some well, things are so bad that they're good. Well, you know? listen,
0: yes, the Christmas special does have a faithful following among uh, Star Star Wars oh, fans, good. though, with many bootlegged copies oh, no in existence.
2: And they're probably <laughs> stuck on on YouTube all over the place. And I
0: do remember uh, when I was little, listening to the radio on Christmas Day, and uh, R2-D2 and C-3PO <clears throat> were like the DJs. <laughs> <laughs> so there you go. Well,
1: now, when I told my wife, Judy, that we were going to talk about unusual holiday songs, she said, she said uh, you have to include Bufo. Uh, Most of you probably don't know who Bufo is. No idea. That's B-O-O-F-O, unless you grew up in Cleveland or somewhere else in northeast Ohio. In 1958, a Cleveland TV personality named uh, Lynn Sheldon recorded a catchy little banjo polka-style novelty song about Bufo, Santa's dog. Evidently, Bufo is a very loyal companion to Santa. Even sleeping on Santa's feet to help keep them warm, because evidently Santa's socks are threadbare, according to the song. Um, Bufo lends a hand, or maybe a paw, paw, rather, to the elves in the workshop, and he's also beloved by the reindeer. Buffo even reacts to Santa's naughty or nice list. If you've been good, he'll bark. Ruff, ruff. If you've been bad, he'll cry.
2: <laughs>
1: <laughs> the chorus is really catchy. I'll read it to you, but you really should go over to YouTube and listen to it yourself. Buffo goes where Santa goes, and children know where Buffo goes on Christmas Eve when all is dark. Children hear Buffo bark. Ruff, ruff.
0: <laughs> <laughs> okay, we got to look this it, song uh, up.
1: It sounds better than, uh, than I made it sound. Okay. Lynn Sheldon later uh, published a children's book based on the song called Buffo the dog that goes where Santa goes. And I found a copy on Amazon for $1.46. So you can uh, look that one up, too. That's now, that book I- is actually not part of our holiday gift guide. But we'll get to those later We're in this episode. Definitely. But it's a
0: stocking stuffer. There you go. <laughs>
2: All
0: right. So now I have some uh, Christmas song trivia. One of my favorite Christmas songs uh, is, uh, and, it, you know, it's kind of par for the course. Oh, I love this song. You're a mean one, Mr. Grinch. Oh, Good. Yes. I don't feel so bad for liking it. I love, I love that song. It's sung
1: by Boris Karloff in the original uh, cartoon, right?
0: Well, um, I don't know.
1: Yeah, that's who it was. With that deep voice, you're a mean, mean one, one, Mr. Grinch.
0: Okay, but he would he he did the Grinch, yeah. but he couldn't sing. So the voice actor that actually did the song oh,
1: is it was a different. Thurl
0: one. Thurl Ravencroft.
1: That's right. I have mm-hmm. heard that Boris Karloff did the Grinch's voice.
0: Something. Yes, but he couldn't sing. So Thurl Ravencroft did the song. You're a mean one, Mr. Grinch. That's a and great And he song. also lent his talent to sing or to bring the iconic tony the tiger to life so the same they're great that's right is by the the way
1: kellongs well
2: (laughs) if you're looking for a sponsor we're gonna ask it anyway right
0: oh there's that dead horse we're beating again (laughs) um and also i think we knew this i think this is kind of a common trivia jingle bells was not written as a christmas song it was originally meant for thanksgiving
1: Oh really?
0: Oh yeah. Oh well, you didn't know that. No, okay. I always played yeah, at
1: Christmas. Why would one I, horse yeah, open it, sleigh?
0: Yeah, it's all it That's doesn't a, say anything about Christmas. The snow. Okay. Well, and we here in Texas don't have snow at What's Christmas, snow? much we less Thanksgiving. Than. <laughs> but uh, but yeah, if in the uh, northern areas, they're talking about just getting, <laughs> getting out getting after the dinner and yeah, and okay. having a sleigh ride. Okay. Um, the song, and I really loathe the song. Do You Hear What I Hear has been recorded by various artists over a 100 times and is firmly associated with Christmas, but that wasn't the intention of Noel – oh, I didn't even catch that his name Noel, was Noel. Yeah, I think it's cool. probably Noel.
2: Yeah.
0: Uh, Regney and Gloria Shane, the husband and wife duo that created the song. When they created the lyrics, the Cuban Missile Crisis was in full swing, right. and the song was meant as a plea for peace.
2: Oh, wow. The
0: lyric, with a tail as big as a kite, does not refer to the Star of Bethlehem.
2: It refers it's to, to... refers to a missile. missile. Oh, wow. Mm. Yeah. Well, mm. it's getting played on the other side. <laughs> That's right.
0: Right. Uh, Rudolph the Red-Nosed Reindeer, rocking around the Christmas tree, I love that song, and Holly Jolly Christmas, I like yes. that song too, were written yeah. by songwriter Johnny Marks, who happens to be Jewish? So three. Hey, Christmas it's a good melody. Songs? That's right. right. He did great. He did good. Thanks, bud. Uh, in April 1975, the American military played "White Christmas" over Armed Forces Radio as a covert signal instructing soldiers in Vietnam to evacuate Saigon. Ooh! Did you know that?
1: I did not know that. That's wow. That was, wild. That was yeah. a wild. to get out.
0: Irving Berlin originally wrote White Christmas for a Broadway musical that was never produced. It was then picked up by Hollywood producers who used it in Holiday Inn, a 1942 right. film starring Bing Crosby and Fred Astaire. Yeah, I've seen
2: that movie. Yep.
0: Irving Berlin hated Elvis Presley's version of White Christmas so much that he tried to prevent radio stations oh, from no. playing it. <laughs> Um, Hark the Herald Angels Sing and Joy to the World are two of the oldest English-language Christmas hymns originating in the 1700s. Right.
2: Mm-hmm. And
0: I really love those songs. And mm-hmm. Red Nose the... Rudolph, the red-nosed reindeer, didn't originate in Johnny Mark's classic Christmas jingle. Instead, the character was created by Robert L. May, a staff copywriter for Montgomery Ward Department Store, as part of a series of holiday-themed coloring books sewed by the retail giant. So it's interesting. So Rudolph and Santa, as we know them today, were both...
1: Commercialism. 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 Some of
0: the most hated Christmas songs are, can you guess...
2: Last Christmas. Yes, yes. I gave you my heart. Yes,
0: oh. um, by Wham. And I want a hippopotamus for Christmas, which I love that song. <laughs>
2: I, I love that song. That yeah. the, lady, um, the lady who sings it's really good. Yeah.
0: And the controversial baby. It's cold outside. Like yep, we said. Yep. The sappy and sad, the Christmas shoes. Mm-hmm. Ugh. Ugh. Yeah. Yep. Yeah. Exactly. Oh. That's everybody's reaction to it. Ugh.
1: One time is all right, but after that, it's okay. If it's you, yeah.
0: Life. But the all-time most hated song is Mariah Carey's "All I Want for Christmas Is You."
2: She and did a good job with the song. I will give I think, her a lot of it just got credit. Overplayed, I the think, downside it. is it it's, gets overplayed. That's right. I think that's time. it.
0: It's just because radio stations play it over and over, and it gets stuck. Like it gets once stuck an in your
2: hour. Head. I mean you could walk into like <clears throat> s- we won't name we won't ma- name any of these stores right. that have a you know red and white you know circle <laughs> emblem a circular specifically logo, but that plays it all the time, but I know. think
0: I think more than just that story. Oh, I yeah. mean, it's, just it's crazy, sure. it's crazy, but I feel that way about uh, last Christmas too. They played well, it's they ba- they're back that. to back, <laughs> yeah. But I think I think that song is legitimately just a bad song,
1: <laughs> you know. I mean, you mentioned about the, the one that was written by a uh, fellow Jewish, Rocking Around the Christmas Tree. Um, you remember the great uh, animator. Voice characteristic uh, guy, voice from the animated cartoons, Mel Blank. Yes. yes. Mel Blank. Uh-huh. Okay, his mm-hmm. son, he said he his wife had a son, and they, without thinking, they named him Noel. Noel Blank, which in French means White Christmas. <laughs> <laughs>
0: <laughs> and they were Jewish. <laughs> oh, that's fantastic. Oh, and I, I need to give props to my uh, sources, Listverse and BuzzFeed.
1: Thank you. And now for something completely off topic and off kilter.
0: Brace yourself for the oddity du jour.
1: All right, for our oddity today, an Associated Press article from July 28, 2022, details the horrifying recent attacks of wild monkeys on citizens of the southwestern Japanese city of Yamaguchi.
0: Oh, my goodness. Wild monkeys. The
1: attacks on 58 people in the past two weeks are getting so bad that Yamaguchi City Hall hired a special unit to hunt the animals with tranquilizer guns, states the article. The monkeys evidently aren't interested in food, so traps haven't worked. They have targeted mostly children and the elderly.
0: <laughs> okay, that's not funny. That's that, that not funny.
1: Well <laughs> that it's is not horrifying. but it is uh, They are so smart. They tend to sneak up and attack from behind after grabbing at your legs, city official Moscato Salto says. So what should you do when confronted by a wild monkey? The instructions are as follows. Do not look them in the eye. <laughs>
2: don't make, make yourself contact. look
1: as big as possible, such as by spreading open your coat, then back away as quietly as possible without making sudden moves, according to Salto.
2: So make a sudden move by opening your coat
1: as big as possible,
2: but back, uh, back okay. off.
1: <laughs> One woman was assaulted by a monkey while hanging laundry on her veranda. Another victim showed bandaged toes. They were taken aback and frightened by how big and fat the monkeys were. The monkeys terrorizing the community are Japanese macaque, the kind that often pictured peacefully bathing in hot springs. Oh, that's, uh, that's what they want you to think. Yeah, yeah right.
2: that's right. Turn around, I'll get you. And in fact, these are the
1: same monkeys from the famous see no evil, hear no evil, speak no evil caricature. Yeah, so, really. Uh, in one reported case, a pair of monkeys snuck into a nursery school and tried to snatch a baby. Well, that's not oh, my funny god. Yeah,
2: probably not good.
1: No one has been seriously injured so far, but all have been advised to get hospital treatment. Ambulances were called in some cases. Although Japan is industrialized and urban, a fair portion of the land is in the uh, in the archipelago is mountainous and forest. Rare attacks on people by bear, boars, or other wildlife have occurred, but generally not by monkeys. No one seems to know why the attacks have occurred and where exactly the troop of monkeys came from uh, remains unclear. Now, we've got a photo, and this, I love this photo, Uh it shows a monkey looking into a bedroom window, and the caption under the uh, photo claimed the monkey was loitering outside the home. <laughs> I've never seen any, anything like this my entire life. So okay,
0: listen, monkeys <laughs> are just plain evil. I don't understand. I don't Why you'd
2: have one as a pet? Yeah. Well, well, you I would mean, have seriously. one as a
0: pet, or even, like, rent one for like, a children's party. No. Yeah. <laughs> I don't. I don't get it. They are just. I'm convinced that monkeys hate the fact that we're running the world, and they're just waiting for yeah. the opportune time to right. take over,
1: <laughs> kill us all, and eat us
0: face first. That's right. And listen, okay. And you're laughing, but look at the story of Charla Nash. She was horrifically mauled by a friend's chimpanzee. And uh, and be warned the pictures are seriously graphic, and oh, that's no. after many surgeries. She had to have her hands and mm. her face transplanted. Oh my goodness! Yes, I just, just gonna, stay I, away from monkeys. Right?
1: No monkey business.
0: And I'm glad there's no monkeys in the Greater Cut and Shoot area. Right? <laughs> Let's just say that.
1: I think they were they died out back in the day. <laughs> we transplanted them,
0: and we're back. Yay! Dun dun dun! We've talked before about Krampus, the half demon, half goat figure that scares right. children into behaving. We also talked about Belf- I'm sorry, Bafana. The yeah. old woman or witch in Italian folklore who delivers children's or delivers gifts to children throughout Italy. But there are many more strange Christmas characters from around the world. And here really? we go, folks. Here we them. go. Grilla. One of them is a cannibalistic, hideous giantess <laughs> called Grilla. She has. She also has a fearsome cat. Grilla has been part of Icelandic like Grilla's folklore.
1: Grilla's not bad enough. Okay. She yeah. gets a
2: cat, which yeah. I also Damn. agree is right up there with monkeys or evil. Wow.
0: She's been a part of Icelandic folklore since at least the 13th century. At some point, she became associated with Christmas. She watches out for naughty children to steal and take back to her home to eat. Wow. That's her, <laughs> her a cousin of Krampus. Her cat, Yolokaturin. Kat, Yolo
2: Yellow or the cat. Yule cat uh, right is
0: wow. a huge beast also looking for bad kids in Iceland children do all, in Iceland children that do all of their chores are given new clothes. The Yule cat goes around looking for kids that aren't sporting a new outfit oh. and so who apparently didn't do their chores and just like Grela, it steals the kids away to snack on later yeah. <laughs> and so many oh so many of these characters that have to do with Christmas is all about <laughs> bad kids like, <laughs> we need all of these devices to control yeah. our kids, right? <laughs> um, have, you ever, have you ever have Have you ever heard of the Cogener or no Cogener? Sorry, it's Cogner, the Cogener. this one? Yeah. Oh my goodness! I and I've started to mention it before in in episodes before this, uh, <laughs> but I've always chickened out because I just don't get it. I don't understand it but at now all. Now we
1: found the the strength to carry on. Ah, yeah. Here and we, we still go. Still don't understand it. We'll try to explain it in as Catal- best we can.
0: in Catalonia, but also the rest of Spain and even in Italy. Nearly every home has a nativity scene display with the usual figures of Mary, Joseph, and Baby Jesus. There also may be angels, wise men, farm animals, but one character in every Catalonian nativity that I bet is not in yours (laughs) is the caganet, otherwise known as the Defecator. (laughs) What? (laughs)
2: hmm.
0: Just Uh. off to the side of the Holy Family will be a figurine explicitly shown with his pants down. In the act of pooping. <laughs> <laughs> yes, the exact origins of the Cogener is not known, right. but it is over 200 years old and probably started in farming communities. You think? Um, as I'm the original it was
1: somebody's weird uncle, don't you That's think? Right.
0: <laughs> and the original figure was a farmer. Today, though, you can. Purchased the pooping figure made in the likeness of many different famous people, <laughs> celebrities and politicians alike.
1: All right, <laughs> A cottage industry
0: and and I I. I- Hesitate to mention this because of her her recent death, but you can get one in the image of the queen as well. No. Yes, it's considered bad luck if a home has a nativity display without one of these figures. In 2010, <laughs> a shopping mall in Barcelona had what they claimed to be the lar- world's largest Coginor ca- ca- uh, figure standing, or well, squatting, squatting yeah. at a height of 19 feet, <laughs> eight inches tall. <laughs>
1: You know, there's, there's, we need a trip to Spain. <laughs> that's where they have that baby jumping baby, thing going the on. The baby double jumpers. There's yeah. so yeah. much I stuff mean, going
0: God. on. Okay. We just have to
2: time that trip right so we can yeah. get, end all of these and, things.
0: And, and speaking of poop, um, another <laughs> scatological character, again from Catalonia. I don't, what, are you guys okay over <laughs> yeah, there? Right. What's going on? <laughs>
1: a lot happening. Um, is there a
0: problem over this there? This is the Tio de Nadal. You've heard of the Yule Log, right? right. Which yeah. is, that's a that's an interesting tradition mm-hmm. over here. And I didn't know it until I just was researching this. The Yule Log actually comes off of the bottom of the Christmas tree. Okay. Yeah. I had no idea. And it's supposed to be put in the fireplace where it uh, provides warmth for all of the 12 days of Christmas. Um, but the Tio, de, the Tio de Nadal is uh, similar to the Yule Log in that... Well, it's a log. Um, But this log is given a face and two twig legs on one end. The Mm. other end, without a face, is hollow. And tradition calls for Christmas songs to be sung while family members take turns beating the log until it poops out presents and candy.
1: (laughs) (laughs) Okay. And these aren't
0: like obscure traditions. These are like out there, every every household's got one kind of tradition.
1: Did it ever work? I, th- I thought the elf yeah. on the shelf was creepy. But well, you know.
0: what they do, it, it is. So it's um, like a
2: piñata. It
0: <laughs> kind of, I guess. Okay, so it's hollowed out, and I guess, you know, they it's put presents be, it's and candy in it. It's got to be rather large. And then, yeah. yeah.
1: Hit it with sticks until, until, the, until your gift comes out.
0: While he's singing Christmas songs, you know.
1: Rhythmically. Okay.
0: Okay. One last character is from South Africa, where they do the same thing many American kids do on Christmas Eve before going to bed. They put out a plate of cookies for Santa. But then the South Africans have to take it just a little bit further with the, the story of Danny. Danny. You see, Danny is a boy that really liked cookies a lot. He ate all the cookies meant for Santa. This enraged his grandmother so much so that she murdered him. Wow. <laughs> <laughs> and now Danny haunts homes around Christmas time to warn children about the perils of being greedy.
1: <laughs> wow. Getting on Grandma's bad side. Right. That's right. I got is my. Her,
2: was her name Grilla?
1: <laughs>
0: <laughs> I got my information from Atlas Obscura, Wikipedia, and Listverse. I got to say, those
1: are some of the strangest characters I've right? ever seen. I have not heard of Danny or the grouping <laughs> log, the, <laughs> the <laughs> gift bearing log.
0: Okay, well, boys and girls. Speaking of gifts, though, it's time.
1: Yeah, yeah. You know, you've been waiting for it all year. This is the third annual. Remnant Stew Holiday Gift Guide. That's right. Dun, dun,
0: dun. We like
1: to bring your attention to strange and unusual okay. gifts. Most most of these come from a website called thisiswhyimbroke.com.
2: <laughs> so true. But there are some other ones
1: from different places. Uh, we'll point those out as we go along. Are you looking for a gift for a person who already has everything? Well, I bet they don't have radioactive uranium ore. Oh, no, I don't. <laughs> Maybe you have that friend who's working on their time machine or possibly just wants to see if their Geiger counter is working well we are radically positive that they'll be absolutely oh glowing gosh. when you unwrap this gift uh, for only 3995 available on amazon.com Amazon. of course oh. sweet you can legally purchase a small container of uranium there is a disclaimer on the Amazon uh, site that uh, clearly states and I'm not making this up quote. <laughs> Useful for testing Geiger counters and performing <laughs> nuclear experiments. Oh, my God! Shipping complies to Federal Nuclear Regu- uh, Regulatory Commission and postal regulations. Radioactive materials are for educational and scientific use only. <laughs> right. For I'm, Christmas. <laughs> I'm so glad my
0: boys didn't know about this.
1: And, oh, yeah, on top of that, there's also a note that the producer of this product, Images SI, is a small business, and by purchasing your uranium from them, you're helping to support small Small businesses. Well, I'm certainly all in favor of that. (laughs) Wow. Okay, so that takes care of the uh, science buff on your list. Now, how about that connoisseur of fine foods? Well, we've got you covered there, too. Enroll your friends in the gourmet peanut butter and jelly of the month club. Yes, that's correct.
0: I can get behind that.
1: Right. Once a month, for the next 12 months, your lucky recipient will receive a package containing two new jars, one of gourmet peanut butter and the other of gourmet jelly, available on Amazon.com for only $468. That seems a little steep, doesn't (sighs) it?
0: Holy cow. uh, Yes.
1: 20 bucks a jar, just about. (laughs) That's a lot. Now... I saw this one and I loved it so much that I just had to have one for myself and I ordered it and I was so excited because it arrived in my mailbox just as I was leaving to come down to our palatial studios today. Uh, uh, This one I saw, um, let's see, it was on a website called (laughs) offthewagon.com. Off the wagon.com. All right. Which wagon?
0: That, that sounds, that's a great name for a liquor store. <laughs> right. Anyway. Well, they
1: have some very, I'll have to say, they have some very unusual items and it's, it's very worth your time to go uh, look at uh, uh, off the But what I was really excited about is called an instant feedback machine. Uh, it's uh, it's uh, called, actually, it's called the instant, uh, I'm sorry, the instant audience. It has four buttons on it. And they are labeled. Now, I'm going to play them for you here. I can just hold this up to the microphone. The first one is applause. Woo! Thank you, thank you. We're here all day. All right. The next one. Crickets. Crickets. <laughs> when you tell that joke that just doesn't go over at all, you I'm hear used crickets. I'm that one. And uh, then, of course, this is one when you really insult people. <laughs> Booze. But this is my personal personal favorite, the rim shot. <laughs> <laughs>
0: when it, you need that for like Thanksgiving dinner with the family, right? So right, when you know it you out. got.
1: I think we'll keep it out here for the rest of this episode. to See if we can get a little more use out of it. Uh, all this in one le- neat little package for only ten dollars and ninety nine cents plus shipping. That seems and well includes worth it. Three lithium R- LR forty four batteries are included. So that's what I bought uh, from the good folks at offthewagon.com. And now, I thank
2: you for their support. But if they're looking for a podcast to sponsor. That's right, Off the Wagon.
1: <laughs> now, um, I was watching some old YouTube the other day and uh, saw, a, saw a clip of Steve Martin on the Tonight Show, Johnny Carson Show, back in the 70s. And he told this uh, story about how he gave his cat a bath. He said, "You know, I've heard you're not supposed to, but really, the cat liked it. I know, I kind of liked it too." And he said, "The only problem was my mouth got all full of fur." Oh and my god! god. Oh. <laughs> well, that must have been the inspiration behind this gift um, for something or something for that pet lover on your list. Probably you have seen a mother cat licking her kitten and been envious of that experience, haven't we all? Right. Well, now you can go to a new level of kitty closeness mm-hmm. with your new. PDX Pet Design Lick Your Cat Brush. This nifty little device slips comfortably over your tongue and then protrudes out of your mouth in the shape of a gigantic cat tongue with studded bristles, available on Amazon.com for $25.
0: Oh, gosh. Anything that, that says, it slips comfortably over it. your tongue. Yeah. yeah.
1: Bring up the picture of this and uh, see that. Oh,
2: goodness. I can't even write that down.
1: I love the description on uh, of the item on Amazon. Quote, Soothe yourself licking your cat is an oddly meditative practice <laughs> soothing for you and kitty. Bond with your cat by communicating in their love language. Uh, I'd say the reviews That's... are rather mixed. <laughs> You're seeing the picture. Yes. One reviewer named Heidi wrote, "There are obvious pros and cons to this brush. The biggest con is that it's too big for my mouth and my cat looks at me like I'm a demon and hides." <laughs> Another reviewer named Lene said, bought this mostly as a gag gift from a mother-in-law. She loves it. Her cat doesn't think it's funny, but the rest of us do. <laughs> you know, right now over at Lene's mother-in-law's house, some of the grandkids are going, Hey, Grandma, uh, uh, the cat needs to be brushed. Come on, Aww. Grandma. Brush the cat. <laughs> well, okay. <laughs>
0: <laughs> oh, my word. Now,
1: I, I think... Leah, you would really you need this one over at your house. Leah has well, a-
0: well, I don't need that brush. I'm just going to tell you. Well, right we're going now. on to the next
1: one, right? I've seen one. cats hanging out over at your place. <laughs> <laughs> oh, no. Um, this one uh, is for that practical joker on your list. And-, and, Leah, since you live on the lake over there, um, uh, it's a- it's something that you might really find handy. It's a very realistic looking remote controlled floating alligator head.
0: Oh According yes, to- I need that. I need, like, need that.
1: According to their Amazon description, quote, and this is the exact wording: "Whether are trying to scare birds or people, it's always amusing and enjoying." Not plastic material, made of rosin material, so simulates the alligator head and looks more realistic. Hehe. <laughs> okay, <I threw> <laughs> Well, myself, you could tell
0: yeah. it's from China. Uh, maybe. It, it, they had maybe
1: somebody doesn't have quite a good grasp of the English right. language. One reviewer wrote quote, This remote control alligator is super cool. My nephew and I had a wonderful time playing with it. We even caught the eye of the other neighborhood kids, and soon we had a whole alligator party happening. Ha ha. Now, I did not <laughs> add in the ha ha. That, that was her original. Available on Amazon.com for 49 dollars did I say how much the cat thing, the cat? No, let's works? not. Let's, let's just not. Oh, it was $25, the <laughs> cat brush that you stick on your tongue. Oh, wow.
2: <sighs>
1: okay. Now, of course, during wintertime, many folks have trouble keeping their feet warm. Sort of like Santa mentioned earlier. Yeah, well, yeah. if you don't have Bufo to lay on your feet, then keep them toasty warm with a pair of bread slippers. That's right. <laughs> these slippers look like too many loaves of bread. So a you new got kind your of, loafers on. New kind of loafer, <laughs> right? Good job. Wait a minute. Wait a minute. A new kind of loafer. <laughs> oh wow! <laughs> <laughs> Probably not gonna be loud enough to put here. Put here. I, I can think I can oh, increase good. that. Good. Uh, anyway, um, I like the description on their Amazon page too. It says, "Warm slippers for autumn, winter. Bread design bring more fun to your life." <laughs> <laughs> Fashion and cute style make your winter become lively and interesting, no longer monotonous. Also, make a great finishing touch to costume. Like what? I'm not costume? quite sure what kind of costume um, that would I mean, be, but never mind. I'm, I'm, they look I'm, like fun anyway. You could
2: just say, "I want the
1: pumpernickels."
2: Oh, oh,
1: wow! According to one reviewer named Gerlaine, quote: "It looks like real bread." <laughs>
0: But you know what? I mean, I would use them. You I can would. find
1: these at Amazon for only $16.99. There you go. Now, remember uh, a little over a year ago, we did a show on accidental inventions. Oh. Um, uh-huh. One of them yep. was Play Doh. Yes, yes. If I remember correctly, the basic ingredient in Play Doh was originally used for cleaning wallpaper. That's right. However, one of the inventor's relatives was a kindergarten teacher who found that her students loved playing with it. Thus, the company altered the formula and added the colorful dye to make the popular children's modeling clay. Of course, the scent is the same in all colors. Well, that might be fine uh, gift for kids, but we adults have a more refined sense of smell. <laughs> That's the reason the Play-Doh people have now, <clears throat> have now developed grown-up scents. Oh, no. These are new versions of their wonderful clay. Admit it, you still love playing with Play-Doh.
0: Absolutely. Well, for now sure. you can
1: indulge your whim with scents such as Day at the Spa, Grilling Steak, Overpriced latte. <laughs> Clean jeans are freshly mown grass. A six-pack of cans will run you fourteen ninety nine dollars 99 on Amazon.com. But that
0: actually sounds pretty cool.
1: <laughs> that sounds like a cool gag gift. Yeah. Uh, now, finally, what about that friend or relative that lives far away? You don't get to see them very often. Now, of course, you could just send them a dull, ordinary photo that will eventually be thrown away. But instead, why not do this? Send them a potato photo. Oh, that's right. The fine folks over at potatoparcel.com, through the use of space age technology, will imprint a photo of your face onto a potato, and then send it off to your distant friend. So, you can even accessorize your potato with a funny quip, so they can peel it.
0: So well, I mean, okay. They're saying, um, why would you send them a dull or ordinary photo that will eventually be thrown away?
1: Yeah, but, but you, know, you can put it on a potato appealing. that could oh,
0: eventually maybe, rot maybe, but these are, and are I think they are.
1: I think they are treated so that they last a little longer.
0: Um, um, okay.
1: <laughs> by the way, their website. Uh, in, in addition to your photo, you can uh, you can oh, wait a minute. You know, you can uh, uh, add one of these uh, funny little quips to it, like I just wanted to start your day off with a laugh.
0: <laughs> oh wow!
1: Are <laughs> Did you hear this? Did you hear about the potato that got its head chopped off? It was decapitated. Yeah, <laughs> Boo is right. Ouch! <laughs> and how much does it cost to have your face uh, face clad potato mailed to your friend? Only twenty one ninety five. So right after the podcast is over, rush on over to potatoparcel.com com and take care of your gift list.
0: <laughs> oh. and then you you know. I, I, I'm not even going to talk about baking them and frying yeah. them. <laughs> uh, well, that was one of the quips
1: was, uh, remember when we got baked together.
0: Yeah. <laughs> okay.
2: Uh, and it wasn't over a bag of lace. <laughs> uh,
0: before we end this episode, we can't have you thinking that we skipped right over Thanksgiving. After all, it's my favorite holiday. Right. I love Christmas, but I like the comparatively simple holiday of Thanksgiving even more. And I feel like the celebration doesn't give get the credit it deserves. I mean, Christmas had to go and steal Jingle Bells, the one and only Christmas <laughs> holiday song, as if Christmas didn't have enough of its own.
1: Right. So well, when, I know there's Over the River and Through the Woods to Grandmother's House. We go, that's that's a Thanksgiving song, isn't it? I don't know. I think, yeah. Because it, it says, Hurrah for the fun is the pudding done. Hurrah for Thanksgiving Day. So they do have Does that it? one. I don't know. Yeah. Oh, okay.
0: All right. Well, there you go. But then Christmas kind of stole that one, too. Yeah, kind of. Anyway. In honor of the deliciously amazing holiday that's just a few days away, here's some Thanksgiving trivia I bet you didn't know.
1: Stomach's growling already. Mm -hmm. Okay, go ahead.
0: An entire town canceled Thanksgiving once. Well, not exactly canceled, but they postponed it. Uh, The citizens of Colchester, Connecticut, postponed Thanksgiving for a week in 1705. So this was way back. And And why was that? Because the weather was unusually cold that year and froze the Connecticut River, and the settlers couldn't get their shipment of liquid sugar in time to make the pumpkin pies. Oh, yeah. And yeah.
1: Now yeah. That, that is important. It's important. For sure. I do like some pumpkin pies. Oh, How can you have great, Thanksgiving without pumpkin pie? Absolutely.
0: Yeah. Um, giving gifts best at Thanksgiving, Thanksgiving has never caught on, thank goodness. <laughs> that's one of the reasons I like the holidays so yeah. much. There's no pressure. Um, one president though received a very strange Thanksgiving gift. In November 1926, Vinnie Joyce of, of Nitta Yuma, mm-hmm. I think Netta Yuma, Mississippi, sent mm-hmm. Calvin Coolidge a live raccoon.
1: First of all, you got to love the sound. <laughs> Netta Yuma, Mississippi.
0: That's right. Um it was the raccoon was meant to be served as the main Thanksgiving dish, but Coolidge liked the critter so much that he pardoned it and adopted it as a pet, and he named it Rebecca. Rebecca Raccoon. <laughs> <laughs>
2: Another animal that shouldn't there you be. go.
0: Now speaking of main dishes, turkey may be the food of choice now, but it wasn't even served at the first Thanksgiving feast. The Wampanoag Indians—I think I pronounced that right—Wampanoag uh they reportedly brought five deer so venison was, was on the, the menu back dish. then that mm-hmm. yeah, would make that more sense. sense and yeah. that's yeah. not that's not a bad bad yeah. food um Speaking of turkey, a Thanksgiving holiday mishap inspired the creation of an iconic frozen TV dinner. Mm. A Swanson employee in 1953 accidentally ordered a whopping 260-ton shipment of Thanksgiving turkeys. <laughs> an innovative salesman took inspiration from the prepared foods served on airplanes and came up with the idea of filling 5,000 aluminum trays With the turkey, along with cornbread, dressing, gravy, peas, and sweet potatoes, to complete the offering. The convenient meals sold for ninety-eight cents and were a hit. They've been around ever since. So that was
1: the beginning of TV dinners. That
0: was, and I remember those that were in the aluminum.
1: Oh, before microwave, you'd warm it up in the oven, and
0: they (laughs) were so much better that way.
1: They weren't. They weren't terrible. I'll say I've had some that were some were better, some were worse, but they weren't awful.
0: Um. Well, way back in our very first episode of Remnant Stu, oh, balloon-a-sea. Called balloon-a-sea. Yeah, balloon-a-sea. Home. it's still one of my favorites. Mm-hmm. It's worth checking out. We talked extensively about the Macy's Thanksgiving Parade yes. and all the balloon mishaps over the years. But the very doesn't p-
1: love a good balloon mishap? That's Absolutely.
0: right. The very first parade in 1924 did not have any balloons at all, though. In Boring. fact, it wasn't until 8- 1927 that Felix the Cat, the very first a uh, parade balloon made an appearance. Right. The first parade, though, was still a sight to see, as they had animals from the Central Park Zoo. Oh,
1: yeah, just brought the zoo animals out. Okay. That's okay. <laughs> so
0: that's what the balloons and all of their danger and all of that right. replaced. They're a lot safer <laughs> than the yeah. tigers and lions going down You're the not street get
1: mauled. <laughs> Bring an elephant down the street. There we go.
0: And have you ever thought how in the world did the turkey get its name? Is it from the country? From the country? Well, kind of. During the reign of the Ottoman Empire, a bird was imported to Europe from North Africa. It was like a guinea fowl, but the Europeans called them the turkey cock and the turkey hen because they came from the Turkish lands. Then when the settlers came to America and saw the bird that greatly resembled the imported fowl from back home, they named it a turkey. So Hmm. it is kind of in a roundabout way associated with turkey. Interesting. Now, if you happen to be vegan, what is it that you eat on Thanksgiving Day? Have so, you ever heard of?
1: Yeah, I've heard of this.
0: Tofurky?
1: Tofurky, yeah. <laughs> well, have, why give it
2: a meat name?
0: It, Just leave well, it at tofu. It's it's a tofurky roast. <laughs> it's Tofurky is faux turkey. No, really? <laughs> the brand turkey. name of a meat substitute in the form of a loaf of ve- vegetarian protein, usually made from tofu, and stuffed with a mixture of mushrooms, herbs, and wild rice. And uh, I got... <laughs> I, no, thank you. I got <laughs> all that information from uh, an article for goodhousekeeping.com.
2: And I know the vegans listening are going, don't knock it until you try it, mm-hmm. but to each their own.
0: And you know, Thanksgiving's <laughs> right. all about the the food. So our last story, I present to you the Great Pumpkin Pie Debacle of 2021. <laughs>
1: This is this was serious and business. We shouldn't is laugh at this. And Let's this, uh, not make light.
2: Oh, uh, uh, we're gonna make light. For those
0: that, <laughs> of you that don't know, Marie Callender is the name of an American restaurant chain. They also create frozen meals and desserts. And honestly, right. I knew about the frozen meals and desserts. I don't think I've ever seen an There's actual a restaurant.
1: restaurant. Interesting haven't either. In they it. must be in some other part of the country. Yeah. Do. We don't we don't have one in the greater cut and area that. <laughs> This is true. Well
0: last November this this hit the internet. Last November a woman named Sharon Weiss posted an overly passive aggressive message <laughs> on Marie Calendar's Facebook page that said, Thanks, Marie Calendar, for ruining Thanksgiving dessert. The food company responded to the post by thanking Sharon for the post, apologizing for the inconvenience, and asking that she direct message the company so that they could extend help. The post went viral. Oh, Lord. While Marie Callender's response to the post was very politely worded, the other comments on the post were not so kind. (laughs) They were hilarious. The picture that accompanied Sharon's post made it obvious that Sharon either didn't follow the directions on the pie box or her oven was accidentally set to crematorium heat. <laughs> One article put it this way, quote, it looked like the pie had been dug out of the ruins of Pompeii. The pie was completely black. The crust was black. The filling was black. She posted this picture along with it. So some of the comments on that post. Ma'am, do you know the fire alarm isn't a timer? <laughs> How many days did you bake this for? <laughs> or this post addressing, addressing the blame game Sharon was bringing to the table. Quote, I get it, Sharon. I didn't put enough coffee grounds in the coffee maker this morning, and the coffee came out weak. Thanks, Marie Calendar. <laughs> and uh, pretty sure the instructions don't say yeet pie into the sun. <laughs> Um, Another one goes on to say, I'm no culinary genius or anything, but I'm pretty sure the instructions say to bake those pies, not light them on fire and stick them in the broiler. (laughs) One guy summed up the situation that poor Sharon was facing by posting, quote, Sharon out here getting roasted is her pie.
1: (laughs) (laughs) Poor Sharon. Now,
0: many people have seen all the glorious memes that came out of this. As it was happening, but you may not know the rest of the story of exactly how the pumpkin pie came to be a dry black mess. Sharon followed the instructions on the box to the letter. But the mishap wasn't due to faulty instructions, so it wasn't Marie Callender's fault either. What went wrong? What turned out, as many people not so subtly insinuate it, to be user error. Mm. (laughs) After the great pie debacle, Sharon used her oven to bake a Thanksgiving turkey breast, but that, too, came out black, shriveled hard chunk of charcoal, and that's when Sharon's husband checked to see what was wrong with the oven. Somehow the temperature setting had been changed from Fahrenheit to Celsius. Oh!
2: <laughs>
0: so the pumpkin pie, yeah, there's a
2: little difference. Let's blame there. the metric system
0: <laughs> that was supposed to be baked at 375 degrees actually met its fiery death at 700 <laughs> degrees, 707 degrees. I didn't know actually. they would go that hot. Well, actually, or close to it, because most ovens, including yeah. Sharon's, top out at around uh, 500, 500 degrees but that still proved to be too much for the poor pumpkin pie <laughs> oh, <great laughs> and story, though. that information came from CNET that's CNET.com and boardpanda.com. Wow. but it was all over the internet <laughs> and now it's time boys and girls for the trivia
1: challenge Yay! All right, friends, it's time for the Trivia Challenge. Like and follow our Facebook page at Remnant Stew Podcast. Like and share this episode post. Put your answer to the Trivia Challenge question in the comments of that post. The first person, (laughs) the first person, not the first person, (laughs) or the first person too. Anyway, whoever does all that will be the winner and will be mentioned in an upcoming episode of Remnant Stew. We are also opening our trivia challenge up to school kids. So Woo-hoo! your classroom listens to Remnant Stew and they want to answer the trivia question, then send us an email with their answer to curious at remnantstew.com. If your class wins, we'll send a cool little care package to the class. So what's our question today?
0: Okay, this comes from our uh, Cajun dude, Harbin.
1: Yay, Harbin.
0: There is a tradition in South Louisiana along the Mississippi River on Christmas Eve night that makes the night sky glow, but it's not your typical Christmas light display. What is it, and where is it most famous?
2: Hmm, interesting. And
0: I had no idea about this, this tradition.
2: Oh, that's cool. interesting, yeah. all right.
0: And with that, the three of us, me, Phil, and Steve, here at your favorite quirky little podcast, would like to wish you and your family a Thanksgiving full of delicious, perfectly baked turkey, not charcoal, Mm. Uh, fluffy mashed potatoes, yummy desserts, and uncomplicated and fun family time.
1: Now, after you eat that, you should get out in the yard and throw the football around. And we hope that your team wins or at least plays a good game.
2: If you take a Thanksgiving nap, maybe sleep so well that you wake up completely confused about what day it is. (laughs) (laughs) And also watching the World Cup.
1: That's right.
0: So happy Thanksgiving, everybody.
2: Happy
1: Thanksgiving. Thanksgiving.
2: Phil here reminding you to check out Facebook and Instagram pages at Remnants2Podcast drop us an email at at dot 2com just to say hi or to let us know about any topics you'd like to hear us cover in an upcoming episode.
0: Remnant Stew is a part of Rook and Raven Ventures and is created by me, Leah Lamp. Dr. Stephen Meeker and I research, write, and host each episode along with cringy commentary by our audio producer, Philip Sinkfeld. (laughs) You're welcome. You know it. Theme music is by Kevin McLeod, with voiceover by Morgan Hughes. Special thanks goes to Judy Meeker and Harbin Gold.
1: Now, before you go, please hit the follow button so you won't miss an episode. Head on over to Apple Music and leave us a review. Share your remnant stew with your friends, your family, with Bufo, Santa's dog, and that pooping guy in that uh, Spanish whatever see. it was. <laughs> Until next time, remember to choose to be kind, <laughs> and, and always stay curious. curious.